album for the Apocalypse. Album for the Apocalypse. One, two, fuck my shit. Welcome to episode 10 of the Albums for the Apocalypse podcast. Uh, it's been about three weeks since our last one. We've had a, you know, like everything, she's getting a bit, you know, working hard. Jack's got his dissertation, just moved house. So it's, sorry about the slight delay on getting this one up, but it's episode 10. We've, we've made it to episode 10. Very proud of that. How are you doing, Jack? I'm very well. We've had a slight hiatus. Yeah. Um, but not like one of the bands we'll be talking about this week. We aren't bad individuals and it's not because of something we did that was bad. Um, it was just because of, I guess, we are busy people, we have busy lives. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, I don't know whether you can hear it in the background, I just everyone's just decided to start walking around outside outside where we're recording for me, but it's all good. I can't hear that. You're okay. That. Okay, You're good. okay, it's just distracting yeah. me. That's all right. No, so yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been, you know, like I said, a, a tough, well, not tough, but just busy few weeks, which is why it's been slow, and it's probably been a bit slower for the next probably maybe looking at two weekly podcasts rather than weekly, but okay. that's good. Um, quite a lot's happened, I think, since we started, since the last one. I mean, they, they've started to trial social distance gigs um, with a sit down at tables, which will be interesting. I think for one album this week, I think it would work, um, which we'll get onto. Yeah. Um, but I think for like well, most of the albums we cover, less so. If you look to look at something like Volcano Choir, I think it would work, but then, yeah. You know, some you know you think about the the reality is they kind of have to do something and we all know that it's not going to be the same and it's probably not even going to be half as good as it normally would be but you know at this point there are a lot of musicians bands venues that need to get people through the door whatever kind of situation it is that will allow it so um you know if that's going to have to be what it's going to be for the next however long to allow these places to stay in business, then I guess something we should probably try and embrace. Yeah. And same with bands and stuff. Most of their money comes from touring nowadays rather than record sales because there isn't record sales. It's all streaming. Um, So yeah, Yeah. it's just about sort of seeing how it goes. I think all the driving stuff got scrapped and I think that's probably made sense. It's a bit of a long shot, I think for that one, trying to sort out driving gigs and concerts and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah we'll see I mean what else has happened Taylor Swift's got the biggest selling album of this year so far after a week yeah and it wasn't even announced or advertised surprise release one hour long album is biggest selling just, so that's very impressive on her part yeah and it's a good album as well. it is a good album like produced by the guy from the national I've his name uh, but no it's done yeah. really well and co-written with Justin Vernon for yeah, who's a few, quite a few songs friend, of the, friend of the podcast yeah, and a wor- someone we worship on the podcast. Um, but yeah, you want to touch on the Brit Awards scandal a little well, bit, Amos? Yes. So actually, I, I, so Rena, I'm going to butcher her surname. I do apologise. Rena Suwanama. Um, she's a Asian British pop star or pop artist. Uh, released one of the best pop albums this year. One of the best you know, in terms of unique and stuff. And she's been, I don't want to say, snub's not the right word. She cannot be nominated because apparently she's not British enough. Um, she, even though she has indefinite leave to remain and all that stuff. Um, she's 29, she's been in the UK for 25 years. So she, she's as British, you know, as they are. Um, but she's been snubbed completely. 
to put this into context, a band only needs to be 30% British to be nominated. So if Dave Grohl was British, Nirvana could be nominated. If Guns N' Roses had a British keyboard player, they could be nominated because Slash is British. So on. I it's, mean, to put it in perspective, the irony is if she literally just had someone on stage alongside her yeah. playing a tambourine and called them a band, they'd be, she'd be nominated. Yeah, if she, which I, is just absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, and the fact that she's described as a British artist and she can't, like, by everyone, she's described as a British artist and yet she's not being nominated, just shows still how. I suppose racist is the right word, but backwards the music industry still goes in terms of... Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just following rules for rules' sake, isn't it, almost? Yeah. It's just... Oh, it's illogical. Yeah, but, um, good, but at the end of the day, so this week, oh, Yeah, exactly, yeah, that is true. This week we had um, albums suggested, all three of them by yourselves, our lovely listeners. Um... We had quite an interesting mix. Three, well, two kind of similar albums in terms of genre and one slightly different. Um, so we've got uh, from the Australian act Sticky Fingers, we've got Caress Your Soul. Um, we've got Leanne Le Havis' self-titled album. So that's literally come out about, well, I think it was just a month ago. Yeah, it was just so that, is, that. It was the, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the newest album we'll have covered on this podcast. And then um, the last album is the much-requested Spectre and Moth Boys, um, which we will go into later. Um, What did you think of these listening in general, Amos? Did you enjoy your listening? It was was interesting. I think it's, uh, for, I'd say say for pretty much all of them, it's, it's ones that maybe wouldn't necessarily fit into categories we would have had before or like themes we have planned. So no, it's, yeah. it's stuff that's yeah. brought forward, um, which is kind of what we wanted. We didn't want anything that would necessarily fit into a, a category that we're going to do or we are doing. Um, so it's quite nice yeah. to uh, do albums that we wouldn't necessarily pick. Um, we'll say, however, yeah. Actually, it was... Sticky a- Fingers, I think Sticky Fingers may have slipped into Guilty Pleasures, but... Um, yeah, potentially, and also if we do Oz, Oz albums and stuff, but... yeah. We'll go into that. Um, I certainly would not have wanted to openly pick them, and I will explain why. Yeah. Um, so, should we should we get started? Yeah. Why not dive into it? First one. Okay. So we have first. I'm going to go with "Caress Your Soul" by Sticky Fingers. Um, now, this was the Australian band's first album, their debut. Um, it was released in 2013. It's certified platinum in Australia, so it was very big over there. Uh, and it has got some kind of coverage over here, not very big really, but I know, um, like obviously it was put forward by one of our listeners, Sarah, um, and I know that it does have some playtime over here in and out. Uh, this is an album that I quite enjoy so they're kind of a rock band a little bit towards the indie side um very aussie in their sound very aussie in their kind of vocal style um it's very notably australian i think i'd say um sticky fingers are a very interesting very controversial band um so basically in 20 2017 i think it was they went on a hiatus for a year after um, one of their band members, I think it's the lead singer, he got in trouble to do with um, supposed sexual harassment and kind of um, harassment claims and this kind of stuff. And 
So they went on hiatus, it all kind of disappeared. Um, and then they posted this thing saying they were back. They went on Triple J, which is, as we've talked about before, is the kind of Australian equivalent to Radio 1. They did an interview on the Triple J show Hack, which is like a, um, it's like a kind of social affairs news kind of show they do on that, on that channel, on that station. And on that show, they kind of talked about the culture of sexual, like, I guess sexual harassment, sexual assault at gigs. And um, they kind of went about it from almost, they used the phrase, boys will be boys. And you can listen to the whole interview on YouTube. I remember listening to it live um, when I was there and being kind of in disbelief about the way they went about it. And as a result of that moment and those comments, they now basically never get played on Triple J at all, which is quite weird considering they were one of, at one point, and some would argue kind of still had are oh, one of the bigger Australian bands that was at least at the time they were coming out. Um, and then they just, now they're no, basically no longer played. They probably get, I think I spoke to some friends who are still there and they get probably played once every few months, but they basically got blacklisted from Triple J and just didn't get played because of the way they handled it. Um, they did post a statement in their defense on Instagram, but to be honest, I don't really buy it. it was An kind apology of like, for apology's sake. Yeah, exactly. They thought what they'd said was going to go down fine. And when it didn't, they realized, shit, okay, we should probably say something else. Um, to me, that was, they had an opportunity to talk a lot about kind of, because part of it was to do with drug abuse as well. They were kind of talking about the hiatus was uh, in relation to that. It was kind of touched upon mental health and drug abuse. They had a chance to talk about these kind of issues and be open and honest and try and like, ex I guess, address a problem that is quite clear in live music and music the music industry but instead they basically came across in i would argue one of the worst possible ways by i mean they tried to say the right things if you go and listen to it i would recommend it's quite an interesting listen um the uh interviewer this guy tom tilly who's actually from the australian band lime cordial um he kind of sat there and, and went through is he from lime cordial I think it's another one. Anyway, um, he went through it with them and it's kind of, you can hear in his voice, he kind of gets quite confused and surprised about the stuff they're saying. Um, but yeah, tell us about the, the album anyway, Amos. Okay, well, so my initial reaction to this, and this actually was um, further cemented when I did my research, but it sounds like a group of white college kids got high, listened to reggae and decided to start a band. It's yep. just, it's, it's the sort of thing you see advertised on Facebook because they paid 20 quid to promote their band. Um, and my, one of my notes here, just says they just look like a bunch of twats, <laughs> which I think based on the, what you've just gone through is pretty true. Uh, I just think it's just not very good. I think it's very average um, in terms of what yeah. it is like reggae, it's reggae rock style. There's so much better stuff out there. Um, perfect example is a band like Sublime. Yeah, if you, if you, if you kind of like this, or like anything like that, just go listen to Sublime because it will blow your mind if you think this is a good album because this album is, I just, I think it's very average and kind of boring. Um, they're the sort of guys to have had black light posters on their wall and then they use smoking weed as a personality trait sort of thing. Um, mm. I just, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just think it's, so much came through in the music for just being just fake bollocks that they're just like, oh, let's just write a bit of easy reggae and, Stuff like that. Lyrically as well. Lyrically, it is just 
so uninspired. Like some of the themes and stuff they talk about is just so not boring. I don't want to say boring, but it's just like I don't know. I really didn't get on board. Um, I don't. I don't hate the sound. You know, kind of reggae rock style stuff is is good. To listen, and this is you know. Fits oh, I, into I really category. like reggae rock and stuff. Like yeah, like you say, not it's just just not done that well. It just it really just doesn't have anything to it, and I just listened to it, and I just didn't feel like there was any artistic integrity to it. It just felt like they just kind of wanted to write be like that sound because it was easy to do and stuff like that. And then you look at the pictures of them, you're like, yeah, I can fully see that sort of now. And then you read up on the controversies, you're like, yep, yeah, can hundred percent see that now. They just just don't seem like they actually care that much about the music they're not doing anything extraordinary they're, they're not full reggae and they're not full indian they're not doing anything exciting it's literally just simple reggae beat with some half-assed lyrics over the top of it and a slightly a slightly indie guitar just to make it a bit more accessible for people that don't really like reggae but you know kind of like indie but then it's also got enough and it's just it just feels fake to me i just really yeah there, there was not much about it that i'd like i probably ne- i will never listen to them again <laughs> because um, it's like I said there's just, better, there's, just, there's just better stuff out there for me like significantly better stuff out there um, like I said Sublime you can go so, even like other ska bands plenty yeah I've just um, just quickly googled so I can give complete clarity on what did happen basically um, they announced there was going to be a hiatus in 2016 um, their lead singer Dylan Frost posted this status saying that he had been kind of um, I guess apologizing for behavior and basically saying that he had an alcohol problem and mental health issues, which is, you know, good to see someone be honest about those kind of things. But then stuff came out further from that um, where he got basically accused of, and it sounds like it basically did happen, um, being physically threatening to Thelma Plum, who's an indigenous Australian singer. Um, she's actually really talented. Recommend going to listen to her if you're curious. Um, in a Sydney pub, and apparently he like spat on her or something. I think, yeah, spat on her. So, not the nicest individual, and um, kind of just reinforces the view that I think you were forming just from the music anyway. It's just quite interesting. Like, um, they, like I said, they just sound like a group of white guys that decided that at one point they'd just try and write reggae music, but they didn't want to be too reggae because they didn't want to you know, they didn't want to be too non-white and they still want to, you know, it just felt so fake, essentially, just, and I think... Yeah, it's kind of, it's, for, for a positive, it's kind of mindless, so if you just want to stick something on and just, yeah. like, do other stuff... And it's, it's only 39 yeah. minutes long, so, you know, it's it's not too long. <laughs> another <laughs> positive. <laughs> another positive there, it's, it's not it's not too long, so you, you don't have to endure too much pain. It's, but it's not even pain, because it's not even bad, it's like you said, it's, it's just... Not, not a- yeah, we've like to clarify. We're not saying this is an awful album. We're just saying it's not. I mean, it's just not worth your not, time. I think is the best way to yeah, put it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I can see why, this album with platinum. Spotify, yeah. Sure. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, you go. I was gonna say this album went platinum, so it's obviously had backing from labels and whatnot and stuff. So obviously, mm. people would have listened to this, and I'm just thinking there's a lot of people that probably would listen to this and think, "Oh, this is really cool," and not venture out into like. I mean, I'm going to, I've referenced it a bunch, but like the 90s um, in California and stuff where they had their Scar Rock explosion as it was. Go and look at that um, and that sort of stuff. So someone like a band like Sublime, you wouldn't, you would know a few of their songs, stuff like Santa Rhea and stuff. But go and check out Sublime because they are probably one of the best. You've obviously got, 
if you you know Gwen Stefani when she was in No Doubt stuff like that. Um, but there's there's just there's just so much better out there that when you listen to this, knowing that that's out there, it's just kind of like a cool. So what? Yeah, I mean, what I would just say is we live in the Spotify Apple Music era where you have access to basically any album on the planet at any one time. Spend your time listening to. I guess maybe better stuff than this. I don't know. <laughs> Some yeah, people yeah. disagree. I know they have quite a lot. They have a very loyal following because of the scandal. A lot of people kind of felt like they got almost victimized because of the way in which Triple J blacklisted them after the apology and stuff. And some people thought it was a bit harsh. So I know they do have quite a loyal following, but for me. Yeah. Um, and I think this, it's that indie side of them where they were kind of put into that category of being an indie band. So often gets that yeah. um, style of following where they people don't actually yeah. kind of accept like what they're, they're like oh i love let's stick on a bit of reggae and they stick on sticky fingers that's that's kind of the vibe i'm getting from it is you know you're these these middle class white hipsters are that you know like indian stuff but then they're like well let's stick reggae on they put sticky fingers rather than um <laughs> <laughs> rather than actually like good stuff because it's it's all they've ever heard it's not like they've and that's that's not necessarily their fault it's just how it's been pushed to them and like you said with spotify it's Something like this, I think. Yeah, I think. I think. Like I say, nowadays, I, it's it not unlistenable. Like... It's not. It's not unlistenable. I actually think there are a couple of songs on there that are quite good songs, but I just don't think it's an amazing album. I don't know. Like, I actually really like the song Australia Street, and I also like How to Fly. I don't think they're amazing, but I think they're decent songs. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I would listen to those again. I I can't I really don't like the guy's vocals. Um, he just sounds like a knob. Like I said, yeah, when I first listened, very Australian. But you can be Australian and still. But like, there's just a way in which he does it. I'm just listening to like you're just such a twat. And that's yeah, before yeah, I even yeah. knew who he no, was. Yeah. And now I know all the stuff he's done and who he is as a person. I'm just like, oh, just yeah. No, there's, me off there's nothing wrong with Australian vocal style at all. But it's just the um, you can definitely hear his accent and like and the way the style in which he kind of almost emphasizes it in some some of the lyrics especially yeah i do get your point um so i think that is sticky fingers um analyzed should we say yes yeah. um yeah we'll go on to later which uh of the songs we'll be saving and whether or not we'll be saving the album as you can tell you, i think you never know you never know yeah i think this is going to be a close one um, so up next, we'll be talking about album number two. Okay, and up next, we have Leanne Le Havas with her self titled third album, uh, which was released this year. So it was released in July uh, 17th, I think. So that's a, that's a very, that's a bit of a guess, but essentially, it was only released a few weeks ago. Um, it's come off five years after her second album, so it's quite. A bit of time and space and if you when we look into the research it's it's kind of she kind of had a hiatus in terms of recording she still performed but she didn't really she separated herself a bit from creating music uh while she was going through sort of essentially she was just living life almost in terms of like relationships and stuff and then this album comes essentially as a post-breakup album uh but there's a it's got a concept to it in the sense of how it's uh you start the relationship, you fall out of the relationship, and then it's growing as a person post that. So it's those sort of three stages. Um, and I think the five-year gap is really, has allowed that sort of lyrical exploration, um, which you definitely get throughout. It's a soul record with lots of jazz and musical influence in terms of the um, backing tracks or the backing instrumentation. Um, yeah, this is, I really, really like this. This is a, 
um, I think I'm going to probably put this the best way. I, I like listening to vinyl. I've got I collect vinyl, as, as it were. And this is an album that's gone on the list for stuff I'm going to keep an eye out and try and buy in terms of how much I like it. I really want to, this album I really want to listen to on vinyl. I think it's going to sound insane on vinyl. Um, what do you think about it, Jack? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I kind of, I think I was already a bit of a fan of her previous work, her last two albums. I think both of them are good albums and recommend listening to them but this is really really good better than both of them i think um like you say i think the time away is reflective well in the music um the way in which she kind of almost addresses it in some songs a little bit um the i don't know the the, the production is incredibly high quality um Actually, I think it has a guest production on one of the songs with Miramasa, which is yes, quite cool. Yes, it's on um, Can't Fight, which is a, you can tell it's a bit, you can tell it's guest production because it's slightly different to the others. Yeah, um, yeah, it does stand out. Um, it's got, it's like when I, I checked the list of influences and it's got, uh, she lists her influences as Milton Nascimento, who's a Brazilian artist who's a pretty cool um, kind of folk, Brazilian folk style. Uh, Joni Mitchell, who a lot of people know, um, Al Green, Destiny's Child, and you kind of hear these all like mixed into the kind of soul music she's produced. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it came at quite a good time. Obviously, we're coming out of lockdown, um, or are we? Whatever's happening, it's quite nice to listen. It's listening to something like this, which is just like a sedate, calming, it's very chilled out, relaxing, enjoyable experience yeah but then it's also, it's also very engrossing i think uh, the way her she weaves her vocals but not she doesn't actually, i wouldn't say she necessarily weaves them within the um music the instrumentation behind it it's almost like her vocals are on top and sort of like um sort of flowing across the top and there's i said to you i was going to make a comparison here in terms of how it uh, sort of this the vocals interact with the instrumentation it's very similar to that of pimp butterfly so obviously it's not rapping and stuff, but the way the vocals are almost separate, the lead vocals that is anyway, to the instrumentation, but they seem to line up and then every now and then they sort of uh, drift apart, but it doesn't drift apart to be jarring. It's almost like there's two separate parts you can listen to. So you'll listen to it at one point and you'll be fully in on the vocals, the lead vocals, and there's another, the next time you listen to it, you'll be kind of engrossed in this weird, jazzy, uh, minimalistic um, instrumentation behind it. Uh, and then further that, they bring in these backing vocals every now and then just to lift and join everything together, almost like a glue where it joins the instrumentation and the, the lead vocals. And her voice is sensational as it is anyway. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like uh, it just hit, hit her voice from the first song, Bittersweet, just hooks into you, um, just, just grabs you instantly and you're just hooked from there. You can just sit down and listen to this album. Yeah. You can just sit down. What did you back. think of the, of the radio head cover? Oh, uh, Weird Fishes. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's. I mean, she's she's what she's half the pace of the song itself. It's slowed down. You wouldn't yeah. know it's a cover essentially the way she's done it. She's done it completely her style. Um, I think it's really, really, really cool. Um, and the fact she decided to put it in as well is quite cool because it, was, it came from like a live session and she was like, you know what, I quite like this. I'll stick it in, and it, yeah. it just it works really well. And like I said, you wouldn't quite know that it's a um, cover if you didn't know the song or you didn't do your research behind it. Mm. yeah i really really enjoyed listening to this um if if this was a drink it would be like a almost a, a nice whiskey in the evening 
almost slightly smoky. Just yeah, just sit there. You can just, just, just sit in a nice armchair, dim the lights a little bit, put the needle on the vinyl, and yeah. just listen to this. And just the way yeah. you just listen. Wow. You, can, you can just sit there, just sipping it, yeah, just listening. listening yeah. Just, really, just really, really recommend giving this huge, a listen. Yeah, huge mood it. setter. Like this I is feel like this, that you'd listen to almost by yourself. Yeah, yeah, you could, yeah. But it's quite slept on in terms of like I think obviously originally, but I I'm only aware of it because I'm like know her old stuff and so therefore even Spotify had it come up on, on the home page or whatever yeah. when it. But no, yeah. it, has, it hasn't oh, had much push at all, really. Mm. And like considering the sort of you look at someone like um, Michael Kuanuka who got a lot of push last year. Last year, yeah, yeah. Um, not similar-ish, but like in terms of that, that genre, I suppose, is the best in the area. Like the fact, got a lot of push from that and then this has come along. And, and obviously you've got to look at the current situation in the world. And maybe that's why she hasn't necessarily been covered as much. But considering she's, um, what she's done here and the level to which she's done it, I agree with you having gone back to listen to stuff after listening to this. I think it's, it is her best work. It's a lot more accomplished. Um, the five-year gap, I think, Sometimes with bands, that sort of gap can, or artists that can be quite put a lot of pressure on a record. Um, whereas I think with this, she's really taken it and allowed it's given her time to craft one the concept of the album, which I think is done brilliantly um, in terms of the way it flows, but then also in the sort of her lyrics and the way she's just kind of I don't want to I don't use it a lot in terms of matured, but there's definitely this sense of sort of focus in how the songs are done. Um, I think, mm. especially the way they sort of flow together, they they link up so well. There's no sort of jarring moments of like difference in paces and stuff like that. It's, but it's not yeah. one paced either. She, yeah, it's, uh, there's a couple of songs in there which you could definitely sort of, I don't know, if dance to is the right word, but maybe sway to. It's probably a better way to describe it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at in industry, I think she's definitely got the recognition. You know, I mean, I remember when I flipped through the reviews and stuff. It's oh, she's got really, really good really critic. Um, one of the yeah. biggest just music a, critics online, and Anthony Fantano, who always gives everyone like a five, gave this an eight, like yeah. a eight, which is yeah. which is equivalent of like um, enemy giving her a ten, essentially. Which I, I think they gave her like a four and a half or something. Anyway, so like a nine anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I think it's. Uh, I, I think this is really brilliant and this is the social distance uh, one we were talking about where you could easily go and sit at a table and just uh, absorb yourself into her performance because I just as she just performs these songs live I think it'd be brilliant yeah definitely definitely this is one yeah you could definitely do this distance gig for this I think it'd be weird doing it any other way really even even like pre-COVID it'd be quite weird <laughs> being like stood at a yeah, yeah so you'd want to see her in like something like the Palladium or somewhere like, or, or you sit at like a jazz club or something like that where it's like yeah, seated tables, well, just sat there. Far. Yeah, you just sat there, you're just watching, and it's just it's just her in the room, and that's the sort of vibe. That's, but that's the vibe you get from the record as well, the way it's been produced. Um, like we said, more massive, but you've got Matt Hales, who's not massive, but he's done a few things. He's done like um, I'm trying to think if he didn't. I've completely lost it. I haven't got it down, but he's not a massive producer, but the way he's produced it has allowed it to feel intimate, but not feel like closed off intimate. It's got that weird sort of, um, a good comparison I saw was Amy Winehouse. I think it's a great comparison in terms of how it has that intimacy without being closed off. It's like it's letting you in with that style and stuff. And you really feel like you're in the room with her when she's singing those songs. Yeah. 
I'm just looking now. He's he's worked with Bat for Lashes, um, Jacob Banks, Jason Mraz, The Fray, Disclosure. So yeah, you can kind of, especially in those first few, that's definitely you can hear the kind of style that he goes for. Yeah, and I I I, I think this is one of the albums for the apocalypse recommendations for people to go and listen to because I think it's quite accessible for everyone I think I mean obviously you've got to be in the right frame of mind to listen to it because it is like we said quite a chilled out record yeah. um, it's not something you want to listen to at the gym when you're on a jog or anything like that but no, no if you've got your mates over and you stick this on they'll probably look at you a bit yeah. like what? But if you, if you just want to chill yeah. out by yourself you know whether you I don't know whether you want to read a book or just like even just sit down and just zone out stick this on good speakers good earphones I think it's brilliant yeah completely agreed I think that is a pretty solid review of Leanne. Yeah, I think that's pretty good before we tell you to listen to it again. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only so many times you can do that. Yeah. Album number three was put forward by two people, um, Ben Palmer and Chris Reed. They both put forward uh, Moth Boys, the second studio inspector, um, released in... 2015 uh yeah i think it's their second um yeah, second yeah and it's kind of an indie rock style um it's hmm how would you describe amos i'm i'm gonna so, let you go first or i go into it with the rise of the much criticized 1975 on this podcast um a lot of indie bands have started to lean towards taking influence from 80s synth indie so joy division new order depeche mode the cure uh, that sort of thing and i feel like this is one of those albums i, I, I didn't actually listen to any of their other stuff um, which will probably explain why in a second um this is one of those albums which tries to take that style further um or not further but tries to copy that style is probably the best way to put it um yeah, it's it's got this moments in it where it's a lot of moments in it where it's like, oh, that look, that's good. That sounds a bit like Depeche Mode. Or, oh, that sounds a bit like Joy Division and the guitars. And oh, this sounds like New Order's a bit brooding and you know gothy. And then it's just like, but it's just not quite there at the same time. I, um, I'm intrigued to you because obviously this is more your I don't know, field of yeah. expertise is maybe the is maybe the wrong term, but it's it's definitely somewhere where you you spend more time around bands of this. I don't want to say style because that's not necessarily true, but like the bands that someone like yeah. Spectre do get categorized with, I think. So all bias on the table, multiple of my closest friends, I think Spectre is one of their favorite bands. Um, I've therefore been exposed to quite a lot of Spectre. Do I love it? Not anywhere near as much as I think they probably do. I... And they do have like a lot of their other albums, um, not a lot of, I would say a lot of their other albums. They have other albums that are a bit more kind of upbeat necessarily than this one is at times. Um, this one, I don't know. My problem lies a lot with the vocals and the kind of sound of it. Um, so I don't know. I find that, again, it's going to sound harsh, but I just find that by four or five songs in, I just find that vocal style so pedestrian and almost like 
draining to listen to over and over. It's it's the kind of thing that we discussed the other day, oh, the other day, weeks ago now, but um, on the podcast where we talked about indie bands quite a lot. I said about how a lot of indie bands tend to kind of find their niche and just slam that niche over and over and over. This album sounds like that. Like, you get the opening track, All the Sad Young Men, which I really like. I think that's a really good song, personally. But then you hear the rest of the album, and it's just like, okay, so we did that thing that sounded good. We're just going to keep doing that sound again and again and again and again. And we've changed it slightly, but not really. And I get it. Obviously, bands have a sound. That makes sense. But within that sound that you have, you can experiment and do different things and have different styles and different, like, like you just talked about it there on the Leanne album, for example. She has, like, a basically an R&B style song produced with Miramasa. Um, and it just, I don't know, I would describe it as, yeah, I think I'm going to go for pedestrian I think, I like, and at I times, think times a little bit grating. I don't know. Yeah, uh, there's something that really stuck up. So when I first listened to this, uh, you mentioned the first song here, which I think is pretty good. I think it's, you know, it goes in that sort of category as a decent indie single. Um, yeah. But it, when I first listened to it and I first heard that first song, I was like, oh, there's, you know what, I might be surprised with this. Because I'm... All cards on the table. I love Pale Waves, which is have similar styles to this in terms of how they use that synth behind the indie guitars and stuff. And I do, as much as I like to take the piss out of Matt Healy, I do quite like some 1975 songs. I just refuse to listen to them because he's a bit of a twat. Um, but so, but like, so I, when I first heard that first song, I was like, oh, you know what? I might actually enjoy this a lot more than I was expecting to. And you obviously didn't expect me to. You weren't sure how I was going to go with it. But then it just kind of never went anywhere. Um, the songs so often I was listening to it just going, this just sounds like you're trying to be too much of this, too much of that. And there, there wasn't enough personality or identity within the songs to keep me interested. There wasn't enough, especially in the vocals, like you said. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. There's, there's a lot of money behind this album. It's a major label. Um, it's got Dev Hines, who's worked with like Kylie Minogue and stuff like that. So he's got, they've got money behind this album. So, and you kind of hear that a bit in the production. It's not like it's a weak album in that sense. There is one song on this that I think could be one of the worst songs we've covered, and we have covered a Rivers Cuomo solo album. <laughs> and that okay, you've got to say, and that is believe. Oh, it just okay, yeah. it just doesn't work. You've got this fake clapping in there because it's like it's it's clearly a major label single. It's that's what it is. It's I don't know. I, you know, obviously the band have probably been with the producer, probably been encouraged to try and create a a single or something and they've got this fake clapping in there which is obviously meant to try and get the crowd going when they play it live and it's got this really weird monotonous brooding verses that lead into essentially what they've tried to write is almost like an edm style chorus it's this believe like with these weird synths and it just doesn't work and it's just got this stupid clapping thing in between everything honestly i just every time i listen to it, i'm just like how has someone let them release this as a song like it's just mm. dreadful like it has not it has nothing like the, the well, verses like, it, don't link with the chorus at nothing it's just like they've just slapped bits together and just gone eh, it when, you, when you listen to this i'm curious to know i found that by the time i got to about bad boyfriend or decade of decay i think that's like i didn't write in my notes how far in that is i think that's like five songs or maybe six or seven decade, songs decade, decade of decay is just past the midsection i think yeah I started to just start being, I was just kind of, I was just done. I was kind of like, well, 
I don't really, I'm not motivated to keep listening to this. Yeah, I was, like, by the end of this, um, this is something I do when I review it. If an album's not very good or I'm not very vibing with it, it's a lot of effort to keep going. So what I'd often do is I'd yeah. stop yeah. halfway through, go and do something or listen to something else and then just restart side B, let's say. And I fully get what you mean. It's just kind of yeah. like, it's almost tiring to listen to because it is just... But like at the same time, as a, as a kind of, I guess, um, a disclaimer, if you do really like their sound, which I know some of my friends do, I'm sure you absolutely love this album. And I, I'm, that doesn't surprise me because it's literally that sound just kind of recreated over and over and over, which is, you know, if you like that stuff, that's fine. But like, I'm the same as you. I just kind of, for me, after a while, mainly for me, it was the vocal style, but also, I guess, the combination of some of this, like, use of synth to just get a little bit too jarring almost yeah and there, um, like there are points where they try to mix it up so you've got like like you said decade of decay they try and make it a bit more fast-paced almost dancey but at the same time it's just like yeah. you're just trying to you're tr- it's almost like it's trying too hard to be different because they are unable to shake it up if that makes sense that sounds really harsh but like they don't have the i just don't th- i just don't again a bit like sticky things i just think it's very average uh, throughout the board i just think there's not much to it there's a, like like i said the first song piqued my interest because of the influences that were there and the sound is something that i definitely vibe with when it comes to indie music but yeah it just though it just like you said it just dragged on it got very pedestrian it very much like a almost like a what's the point and listen to this sort of vibe for me Ooh, wow <laughs> brutal i mean i did almost say similar but the um i guess the interesting side as well is the we kind of had this discussion in a broader context about indie music in general over the last decade and i feel like this is just another one that just slips into that gap do you know what i mean it just slips into that you know they have a kind of kind of interesting sound they have clear like inspiration and clear kind of ideas of what they want to do which is fine but they just kind of just going to keep doing it it kind of fits in with the um i don't know like p for example released one interesting kind of sounding album and then just fell off the radar i just i just yeah i just i just just, yeah i just i get what you mean like it's very it's almost forgettable i think and it's um, yeah that's it yeah that's actually exactly it It is quite quite i think that's something we spoke Uh, about with indie music in general in that indie music has got this weird um approach to bands and artists in that it's got an approach that's very akin to the pop world in that it's very the bands and stuff are quite I don't want to say disposable, but they can't. They don't seem to produce consistently, unlike in other circles. Um, like in pop music, it's so often yeah. is just one album and you you're done. That's you. And it's 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 always it's always been like that when whichever like rock genre, as it were, has been the primary yeah. one. And with indie being that at the moment, it's definitely got that about it. And it definitely isn't helped. I don't think when bands do put out albums like this. Um, there's doesn't seem to be mm. that consistency or that urge to be creative. Um, we obviously, yeah, uh, no, I, yeah, go on. I, I know I feel obliged to say that their first album, their debut, I think, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. I actually do quite like that album, it's got a lot more of, um, I don't know, it's kind of like the killers style stuff, it's more, more akin to that kind of stuff. Um, but 
this just doesn't, I don't know, this just kind of falls flat. And I mean, I wouldn't even say, I mean, that album in itself is not exactly a standout for me. It's not, you know, I'm writing a list of my, personally, obviously all opinion based, but if I'm writing my list of my top 10 indie albums, I'm not, that's not even in consideration. I think what indie music needs, and this is a general thing, so obviously the Arctic Monkeys, we praise them for them when they tried Tranquility Bass and tried to be different and it just didn't quite work. What it needs is a band to try that, but it to work. So to go from essentially a really strong album that's very much indie focused and then changing their sound and just doing it the same twice, but just two really good albums with slightly different styles to encourage that creativity from the smaller bands because the smaller bands if they do something like tranquility bass that's not very good they're just gonna be forgotten about because of how indie music is which is why they're so inclined to stay with the same sound and the same repetitive nature it needs that sort of breath of fresh air in there and i think i i honestly looking at it now from the outside i can't see an indie band pushing that just yet it needs something or someone to come along and just give it a kick up the arse essentially just to shake it all up yeah definitely completely agreed needs needs a uh i don't know almost i don't want to say a pioneer because obviously that's a big term but just needs some someone to go in and just do something different and put it off yeah and just show what you can do with the genre and like give give the smaller bands the confidence to try and the labels the confidence to back smaller bands that are trying something new i think as well because obviously at the end of the day, labels will always play it safe. They'll always stick with what they know can sell money and sell, sell records and make money. Yeah, sadly true. Right, I think that is the three albums discussed this week. Really quite a mixed bag, um, bit of controversy. I think there's going to be quite a few upset listeners um, because we will have talked badly about albums that I think they like a lot. Um, but We'll see. We may yet save them. You never know. Never know. So I think it's time we move on to that final stage of the podcast, don't you, Amos? Yes, definitely. And now we hit the final part of the podcast where we decide which albums we're going to save for the apocalypse and which songs from the albums we're also going to save. Uh, it's an interesting week this week. We've got uh, obviously no personal picks uh, from the two of us, so it's all... It's all down to you guys as listeners. Um, we hope we don't disappoint you, but we have a feeling we might. Uh, so up first, we'll, <laughs> start, we'll, we'll start with uh, the controversial Sticky Fingers uh, with their debut album, Caress Your Soul. Um, now, I was extremely critical of this. Jack, a bit less so. Um, I think you could probably work out where I feel like we should leave this album, and that's a long, long way from the bunker, near where the first nuke drops, um, preferably preferably underneath it. Um, but what about you, Jack? What, what, are you, what are you thinking on this? Yeah, this isn't going in the bunker. I don't think. No. I'm not afraid. We, we, we'll, we'll stick this in the Bastille pile, I think, for me, personally. Yeah. Um, at, least you get, at least it has some company yeah, for cool. the end of the world. At least it's, you know, we're not leaving it alone. Um, yeah. True. Now we get to the part, you know, pretty obvious we weren't going to save that one. Um, no surprise there. Uh, if you listen to the the little chat we did on it, but being so critical of it personally, I know Jack said he liked a few songs on it. What songs are we going to save? So I don't think you're going to pick the one that I'm going to pick. So I'm just going to go out and just say it. Um, I'm just going to go for the final song, Let It All Out, because it's got constant gang vocals. So I don't need to listen to this front man sing a single note. 
<laughs> okay, now that does line up with your previous criticisms. So I, I figured I've got just got to go for that. It's, I don't think it's a good song at all. I actually think it's probably one of the worst songs on there, but um, because it is a feeble attempt to try and write a song for crowds to sing, it's one of these fake songs. Oh, that will sound good live. Um, when rather yeah, than actually yeah, trying yeah, to write yeah. anything of note, but like I said, don't have to listen to the dickhead sing. So got to take take, take the positives where you can. Uh, so what, what about you, Jack? Uh, that's, that's an interesting take. Um, I mean, this is nowhere near as bad as when I had to pick a song from Bastille and you picked the only good song. Um, so I'm actually going to go for Australia Street. Um, I also said I like How to Fly, but I like Australia Street quite a lot. I think that's quite a good song. Um, as we said, the whole album isn't really great, but this song is, I think, of the album, it's one of the better ones um, and is actually quite a listenable song. And yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I think if you were, don't want to listen to the whole album, the whole reason we do this playlist is so you can kind of get a sample of it. And that's probably quite a good one to get a good sample of it. Yeah, I've kind of copped out a bit. I wouldn't say Let It All Out describes the record at all, but what Jack has picked is worth. And also to give it a bit of um, credit, it's not a song I've got written down as a bad song in my notes. So it can't be that there bad. Go, there you go. There you go. <laughs> not All right. done too badly. Yeah, right. he's, he's picked well. It's no controversial for that one. So we're we leaving the mood. something a bit nicer now. Yes, let's pick up the mood a bit um, with the yeah. much loved uh, and our most re- our newest album that we've covered on this podcast with Leanne Le Havas and her self-titled third album. Now, we were very, very positive about this. Um, so, unless there's going to be a curveball in here, uh, I think we should definitely save it. I, this, if, we, if I was in a bunker, stuck with you, Jack, this is an album I'd probably listen to the most purely because I think it's just one of those albums you could just stick on while you're eating your canned beans and stuff, waiting for the radiation to die down or whatever. It's a really nice, chilled-out album. just takes the weight off your shoulders. Yeah. Um, this is a fantastic bunker soundtrack. Um, for me, I think this album also, we talked about it earlier, you said it, it fits into the category. We have, I can't think, Volcano Choir, Repave, that was definitely one of those albums. But we have a few albums that go into this category that I would call the go and listen to this album category, um, where basically it's just one of those ones, if you haven't heard it, regardless of what your taste in music is, it's just, I think, really enjoyable. And you should just go and try it. And, you know, you may not find it absolutely inspiring, but you'll definitely find it quite enjoyable and relaxing, I think. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, the, the jazz influence behind it isn't too hard to get your head around. It's not too weird. And, like, her vocal style's so accessible because she has such a good voice. Um, like, everything we said about yeah. the Adele record for the Glastonbury headliners, in terms of how the voice is the front and how it can sometimes negate from actually, or, like, cover how the average the album as a whole, this is just such, like, a lifting for the album and yeah like we said like you said Jack it's, it's one of these albums that you should definitely give your time to to listen to just sit down 100%. listen to it 100% especially in this weather as well I found it's really good sun weather just sitting out in the sun yeah. so yeah really I, good sun <laughs> sun weather sun album sun, sun sun weather album, album? Yeah. I don't know yeah it's, it's a good it's a good I like sun weather <laughs> it's really good sun weather she's going to put that on the little notes you know where they do little reviews little quotes good sun oh, weather yeah <laughs> Yeah, four four and a half stars. But um, yeah, definitely saving it. I'll let you go yeah, first this time with the um, song choice, Jack. Uh, this hard actually. I liked quite a lot of the songs on here. Um, I actually quite liked 
the R&B kind of style. Um, I thought what it's called now. I've seen write it down. I, I did know. Fight or something like that. Fight. That's it. Can't fight. Can't fight. But I knew pretty much from the moment I first listened to this album which song I was going to pick. And you touched on it earlier. And it is the first song, Bittersweet, Extended or Full Length. That's the one you wanted, wasn't it? Because <laughs> that is, an honestly, an incredible It, it hooks me straight away. As soon as I heard it, I was like, yeah. I'm going to really like this record. That was cause I always listen to it without any background if I don't know the, too much about it. I just go in and just listen to it. And I just listened to it. I was like, shit me. I'm going to love this record. Yeah. Incredible song. Like, yeah. Really, really good. And like genuinely, like you said before, it's like if you want a song to know what the album's like, listen to that because it's, it's still got the single vibes to it. So it's not too engrossed in the album, but it's still something you can definitely listen to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Shall, I, shall I go be weird and pick Bittersweet as the closing song as well? You actually could. It's on it twice. It is on it twice. Make it a very strange experience for. Actually, also that is worth noting. It's a song that's so good. The fact it's on there twice doesn't faze me. Not at all, and it works as like an open. It's like a bookender, isn't it? Just the way. Yeah, and it suits the narrative as well. Yeah, having it twice suits the narrative of the the whole circle of life, Um, circle of relationships and stuff. Yeah. Go on. I'm not. I'm not going to pick that just because I feel like that's. I've already had one cop out with the. uh, Um, Sticky Fingers record I'm actually going to pick we, we actually we did touch on it I'm going to pick Weird Fishes I think it's yeah, I, I think I think it's one of the it probably is the best cover we've do, we've had oh, no, we've, we've had a few covers on albums and stuff I definitely think Dolly it's Parton there. Dolly actually no Dolly Parton yeah it's a huge shout I forgot about that one Yeah, but it's definitely up there and in the fact that she very much made it her own much like Dolly did to be fair um, but it shows how talented she is as well in terms of how she can take a song such as Weird Fishes and adapt it into what it becomes as part of an album that is a concept album as well, which is just mental to think you've got to cover yeah. one. Yeah. 100%. Okay, on to the final record. Um, the indie record for this week, again, keeping up our criticism of indie music as a whole um, with Spectre and Moth Boys. I am obviously going to be typically critical of indie records most uh, unless it's something extraordinary so i'm going to leave this one on you jack um because your friends are the ones that like this more so you can disapp- you can let them down slowly rather than having me just stand it and call it shit <laughs> so there's amos that's what he wants <laughs> um i think yeah i mean listen we've said this a mi- if we've said it once we've said it a million times if we're going to pick an indie album that's going to go in the bunker, it's going to be something as good as the stuff we touched on with Joy Division or, you know, when we get round to being able to do stuff like, I would argue like early, the early killers, early, the killers, maybe some of the stroke, earlier stuff, Kings of Leon, Arctic monkeys, like all these kind of bands. Um, they, I mean, razor light as well, the early razor light. There was a lot of good, indie in the, in the noughties um but i would say those are the kind of things you'd save this is not especially of the style it's trying to be with the synths and stuff harking back to like the, the 80s and that was really the, like the formation and foundation of a lot of the indie sounds we hear today um i would rather just save the stuff it's inspired by because it's significantly better um 100%. and you know 
there are a lot of people, well, I know especially two people that are going to be listening to this and will be quite annoyed about that. But if they're still listening, they may have turned off yeah, the- at, at the review, in which case, you know, <laughs> we can be brutally honest. But, you know, I just, I think, you know, if it's your sound and you, you know, you like their sound and you like Fred's vocals and things, then and you really, really get on with them. I'm sure I've heard they're amazing live, so I'm sure that helps. But, like, you know, I, I just don't, I, I think that, I just don't, doesn't do it for me. I don't want to say that I'm afraid Amos. And so that means that combined with your, it's a pile of shit or something, or it's <laughs> shit or whatever you just said, that means it's not being saved. Unfortunately um, not, no. As you always say, we've got to save a song. We do have to save a song. I'm going to go first on this one because we both touched on the song that we grabbed us in that we oh, kind of liked. <laughs> so I'm going to choose all the sad young men of the first song because it is actually quite a good song. Yeah, yeah I really like that song. That's one of my... Probably, well, I mean, there's only two albums really and a couple of singles, but that's probably one of my favourites, like the songs. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll see, I'll, I was, really was going to let you go first, but then you, you stole my one for Leanne, so I thought I'd... Uh... Yeah, okay, yeah, well, that's fair. Um, I might be true contrarian and pick Believe to piss you off, but I won't do that. Uh, you know, um, I would, that was my backup pick. So if you picked, if I let you go first and you'd picked all the sad young men, I was just going to pick Believe just because it's shit and we need an example of what a, sad, a bad song sounds like. I'm going to go Stay High because early on in the record was when I was still quite switched on to it. And that was the second song on the album. And I don't think it's... But, so if I say I like all the sad young men, which I do, I like that song. I don't hate Stay High, and I don't think it's awful. I think, I mean, I don't hate the whole album, but I just don't think it's, you know, it's not a bad song. It's got quite an interesting chorus, and well, well yeah, much like Sticky Things, it's not on my notes for bad songs. So you you can't pick too bad. So it's, it, it, I mean, a, a very yeah. um, restrained nod of approval from me. Okay. So, Amos, give me the rundown. So we have, um, for Sticky Fingers, Crescent Soul is being left with Bastille, um, and but we are saving Let It All Out and Australia Street. Um, you have Leanne Le Havas's self-titled brilliant album that is 100% being saved, um, and we are saving Bittersweet, the opening version of Bittersweet, um, the opening track version, not the closing track version. And then I'm also saving Weird Fishes, uh, the radio head cover. And then finally, Spectre Moth Boys um, isn't being saved, but uh, we do have to save songs and we are saving the first two songs on that in All the Sad Young Men and Stay High. Um, on to next episode, I suppose. Uh, should we start talking about, have a little talk yeah. about that? So, Next episode, Amos and I have gone for quite a massive theme. We've actually, this is one of the first themes we talked about when we first came up with the concept of the podcast. Um, Amos, tell the people what kind of albums can they be suggesting to us this week and tell us about the Lord that this album is based, this theme is based around. So we are choosing our albums produced by the Bearded Magician, uh, one of the greatest producers to ever live, uh, the man who calls Shangri-La his home and his studio, Rick Rubin. Um, he has been involved in some of the best albums, um, some of the most innovative albums of not even recent years, since he started with the Beastie Boys in 1987. Um, if you want to look at a producer who has done multiple genres and multiple 
brilliant albums across those multiple genres. He is your man. He's done Kanye West. He's done Eminem. He's done Metallica. He's done System of a Down. He's, like I said, Beastie Boys. He's done Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili. Yeah. Um, Angus and Julia Stone. <laughs> like, yeah. even like an acoustic style um, album. He did Johnny Cash's final ever album. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty sure he's, he's, he's done everyone. Like, literally. It literally, if you... if you want to talk about someone who's shaped music history, I don't think there are many bigger contenders than Rick Rubin. Oh, 100%. What he did with Def Jam in terms of starting that up as a label, becoming iconic in that sense. There's a, is it, there's a brilliant... This is something that we'll probably actually touch on on the podcast, but there's a brilliant thing with him and Zane Lowe. Um, you can find it on YouTube. It was a, a brilliant interview with him. Um, but yeah, just literally just search Wikipedia Rick Rubin albums. And have a look. So, like we said, we, we're expecting some big hitters this week. I think I know what I'm going to pick, and it's going to be a bit of a curveball um, because there are, put this way, one of the one of a Rick Rubin produced albums. There's two which would potentially be in my top ten albums ever, and I'm not picking those two. I don't think. So we'll see what suggestions we get though. Um, okay. Amos is going to pick the one that he did in like 1988 with like a tiny band yeah. that never actually. <laughs> went on to do anything pick his worst work the the forgotten Rick Rubin before he had a beard yeah so I mean before we end up blowing our load all over Rick Rubin this week we'll save that next episode will be in two weeks time we believe hopefully a couple Um, weeks yeah yeah I've just moved place and I'm about to be well I'm finishing off my dissertation so I am very hectic Amos has obviously worked in hospitality which um, I'm sure a lot of people know is mental right now because everyone just loves going to the pub again, which is understandable. Um, so we will be getting that to you as quickly as we can. Get your suggestions in ASAP and a draw at some point in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, I guess. Thank yeah, you thanks, very that, much thanks for the patience with the stuff. We, we are going to keep this going. It's just going to be a bit slow because as life starts getting back to normal, it's unfortunate yeah. the We've got life... 10 episodes now there's lots to listen back to yes, if you haven't yeah. listened to all 10 you can go back find find out some if you haven't listened to some of the albums as well maybe it's a good chance to do that listen to rave listen to leanne have us listen to dolly parton dolly parton yeah that was a, that was one of the biggest surprises i think we've had is that dolly parton record um yeah yeah it's been it's been yeah. Yeah, 10 episodes are done and on to episode 11 the one one